Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 348th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, wherever you are, however you may be listening, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I already SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via being recorded from Buffalo, New York. As always, going to have a great podcast for all you guys. Going to have Eli Weisberger on to give a 24-20, the top 20 storylines for this upcoming NBA season. I recorded this last week. I want to give everybody a warning. At some parts during this episode, the audio connection got a little hazy. Uh, we will work on that, and hopefully that will never happen again because I always try to uh, want to give you guys good uh, sound quality. But just a forewarning, there are certain parts uh, that the, the quality wasn't as good. Uh, just a little bit forewarning. Uh, but great conversation. Love talking to Eli. But before we get to this podcast, going to give my shameless plug. First time listener, subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. Three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. Follow me on Twitter, at Nitrate underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at Nitrate underscore Lane. And check on the description below for timestamps if you want to listen to certain parts. I have this podcast timestamped. And if you have Apple or iTunes, then give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, then take a page what your mama told you. Because my mama told me this. I tell my students this too. By the way, substitute teacher now. Big boy moving up in the world. Your boy Daryl D. Lane. And you know what I tell my students? Kids. And these are fourth graders, by the way. I mean, four-year-olds, by the way. Kids, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Simple as that. And cut up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Eli Weisberger on. Cut up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Eli Weisberger with us, and we are going to do a 20 for 20, the top 20 kind of NBA storylines we're kind of looking forward to. The NBA season just started uh, this past, this week actually, right, uh, on Tuesday. So going to kind of get into all that, all the juicy details stuff we're looking forward to and whatnot. But how are you doing, Eli? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. I don't know if you remember, but my first time on the show. So am I. Uh, and I think we did it around Christmas time, right? That was? Yeah, yeah, because uh, the season was starting, like, the day before Christmas. Yeah. No, that is crazy. Uh, with COVID and whatnot, uh, that was the first part of the season. Now, obviously, that's pushed back a little bit because we're not kind of dealing with that. But let's start with this at number 20. So who do you got? All right. At number 20, 
because I'm a Celtics fan. I am. Can the Celtics bounce back this year? Uh, I think they improved their depth a little bit, uh, but you still need to see more improvement from Robert Williams. Can he stay healthy as well? And can Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum lead this team? Yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing to look at because both of those guys, you know, have the potential to take some big leaps. Got a new coaching, uh, had a new head coach up in there, so we're going to see how all that works. Uh, and I'll be talking about that later too because I have those guys uh, as part of my top storylines as well. But I'll start with the Clippers. So Reggie Jackson, can he replicate his postseason performance from last year? Because, right, we all know Kawhi. When's he coming back? Is he coming back? Uh, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. I'm sure maybe one of us will touch on that at some point during this. But uh, Reggie, he came up big for the Clippers last year and was one of the major parts of, of them, along with guys like Paul George, getting to a Western Conference Finals despite Kawhi Leonard going down in the Utah series. So can he be that guy that can maybe be a 20.5 assist guy, play semi-efficiently, and help aid Paul George and keep the Clippers in playoff contention in uh, that 7-8th play-in game 9-10 range to where maybe if Kawhi does come back towards the end of the season, they can be pretty dangerous. So was that was that your next storyline? Yeah, that was my next storyline. Yeah, so yeah, no, and I, I do agree with you there with Kawhi, depending on how those guys are able to play uh, without him for a stretch. And they, you know, I mean they found success uh, enough to win high leverage postseason games. So you, you would think that they'd be able to find a way to muddle through enough to where they can be competent, right? Uh, and Paul George really stepped up too. Uh, I think that's something people forget about. I think he really exercised some demons. So for me, uh, Tyler Hero, is he going to have a bounce back third year? So Tyler Hero, the whole Tyler Hero factuation is very interesting to me. Uh, his rookie year was kind of inconsistent, breaks out in the bubble, plays really well for a team that makes the finals. Uh, as the sixth man, high energy, shot maker, big cojones type guy that you know is always going to take big shots, make big shots. And... His second year, you know, I guess there were reports that Tyler was loving the Miami lifestyle a little bit too much. Maybe it got to his head. I don't know. Uh, there was a stunt in his growth for a guy that used, at one point you were hearing some reports. Could Miami trade Tyler Hero for Harden? Could they get this for Tyler Hero? Could they get this? It seems everybody kept talking about Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero. And he really regressed uh, in his second year. And obviously, uh, he played well against the Bucks, uh yesterday. But can Tyler Hero in his third year kind of get back on track and be more of that guy we saw in the bubble as opposed to that guy we saw uh, in his sophomore campaign? Yeah, I mean, you and I are on the same beat right now because I also, my next storyline was also the Heat, but more focused on how much of a new dynamic Kyle Lowry 
will bring to the team. I also wanted to mention Tyler Hero as well. Yeah, he had that sophomore slump, um, but he finally had a full offseason to work on his game, and I think you could be looking at him as a sixth man of the year candidate. So next for me, uh, in terms of just young players around the league, and I know Tether Hero would count in that, but guys like you know the John Morants, the Michael Porter Juniors, the Lamelo Balls, which one of those guys can take that step from being pretty good to even getting a going above All Star level to where we're like, okay, is this an All NBA guy? Is this a guy that's deserving of All NBA votes? Who is gonna be that young player that takes that next leap, right? John Morant, extremely talented. Michael Porter Jr., extremely talented. LaMelo Ball was insane against the Indiana Pacers uh, for their opening game. Which one of those guys can take that step to where we're talking about them? Okay, bona fide all-star, all-NBA type guy. Yep. I mean, again, I have that same thing on my list. Uh, LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, even like guys like Devin Booker, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and they take an even bigger leap into maybe All-NBA second team, All-NBA first team, and Zion Williamson as well. If you were to have to pick between Booker or Mitchell, which one of you, which one of them do you think will make the All-NBA team first? Oh, uh, that's really tough. I think I'm going to go with Booker right now. I think uh, he's a little more consistent. And he's kind of uh, coming off a really good playoff run, and people are gonna look to him to build on that. So my next storyline is uh, about the Celtics, and you kind of touched on this, uh, them taking kind of a step. So I feel like the Celtics they're in a very interesting place, right? Uh, this kind of is their team. I feel like. Uh, there's not a whole lot more that I feel like they can do uh, in terms of, you know, making them that much better in terms of championship contention. So, you know, now it's kind of like from within how our young players grow. Like if, let's say, for an example, I'm not saying I think this is going to happen. If Jason Tatum, let's say he has a top five season this year and Jalen Brown has a top 10 season this year, obviously the Celtics are looked at very much differently than they are at this moment in time. So that's kind of what I'm interested to see. What type of leaps do Tatum and Jalen Brown take to where the Celtics could be very interesting and they could go from being a team that maybe people think the Sixers are ahead of them in the East, the Nets, uh, how some people might have the Hawks. Uh, obviously the Bucks are defending uh, conference champions and NBA champions. Can they take a leap for maybe if they're on the outside looking in, in terms of being one of the bottom four seeds? Uh, a team that was uh, seeded seventh last year to now they're a team that's, you know, a two or a three-seater. People are like, okay, they can compete with Milwaukee. They can really compete with Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I could see them anywhere from, like, the three-seed to the seventh-seed this year. I think uh, a lot of things could break right for them and a lot of things could break wrong. Uh, but the next thing on my list is which teams could surprise or disappoint us this year. And I think one of the teams that could surprise us is the Timberwolves. I think if Carl Anthony Towns can stay healthy, if Anthony Edwards makes that efficiency improvement, D'Lo, uh, 
place, a steady pace. Malik, Be- you got Malik Beasley coming off the bench. I think that could be honestly a, a surprise play-in team, right? The pointing team, perhaps, could be like the Sixers with the Ben Simmons fiasco, and the Bulls. I don't know if there's a good fit there with DeRozan. So for me, uh, I'm kind of going back to Miami here uh, in terms of their roster. They have an older roster. Uh, Jimmy's starting to get up there in age. He's a guy who's played a lot of minutes throughout his career. He plays really hard. Kyle Lowry, a guy they've brought in older, has played a lot of minutes. P.J. Tucker. How all that manifests itself, and also maybe the personalities. People have talked about Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler. They both kind of have that alpha male mentality. How does that all work? Because Miami is a, another one of those teams to where, you know, maybe if everything breaks right, right, they could be a top three seed. And if everything, you know, goes the wrong way, somebody gets hurt, people are arguing, you could be looking at them and they're, you know, in a playing game. So just kind of that dichotomy is what I'm really interested to see throughout the season. Yeah, how much do you think is that the Bulls, you know, they've been bad for so long, right? That they're it's just more like, let's get as much talent as we can on the court and then we can just figure the rest out. Yeah, but you know, that's not always a good recipe for success. It's, it's like kind of a, um, you know, a panic move. But they do have Patrick Williams, who seems like a, a promising young talent. I don't know about what's going on with Kobe White. He's still hurt with, I think, his shoulder. Um, and he hasn't looked good when he's been healthy. So, I don't know. So, next for me, uh, just in terms of some first-year coaches or some coaches that we're going to see with new teams, uh, M.I. Udo, your guy for the Celtics, uh, Adoka, excuse me, Adoka, and uh, Jason Kidd uh, for the Mavericks. He's going to be with Luka. Two teams in particular that were in the playoffs this past year have very promising young players that have expectations. And I think their organizations, their owners, they would like to see a team that's for sure in the playoffs, for sure is in a conference semifinals, and hopefully in a in a conference finals. I think that's something that if you asked ownership and management there, that that's something that they feel like they should do and could do. So how both those coaches are able to manage the personalities, get guys on the same page. I know you're not a fan of Jason Kidd. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually ever asked how you feel about uh, Adoku. Uh, I like the hire. I was going to ask you, uh, do you think Udoka is most likely to have the biggest impact of the first-year coaches this year? Ooh. I could see that. I could see that. 
I guess my thing with it is, do you think is he is he better than Brad though? Also a former player, I believe, right, too? Also a former player, so we yeah. can kind of relate to yep. players on a uh, yep. on a different level because I think, you know, I know Brad uh, Brad Stevens, he's kind of like boy genius, super smart, super analytical, but sometimes, you know, a, a lot of part of this is, you know, how you relate to guys, how you can get other guys to follow you, to actually listen to what you're saying. Like, that's always half the battle, how you actually relate to people. Yeah, for me, do you think Kemba's going to be able to stay healthy? He's... Yeah, I would agree with you with that. And he's, and he's a smaller guy, too. And he in the style he plays, it just seems like he's always one of those guys that always seems to be nicked up. So, for me, uh, my next storyline is, how does DeAndre Aiden play with the contract extension issue? Because I think this is very interesting. I think it obviously seems like his people, they wanted a uh, extension. They wanted a deal done. Obviously, Robert Sarver... The Suns brass didn't feel the same way because the extension didn't get done. Chris Paul got his money. Mikel Bridges got his money. And DeAndre Aiden's looking at everybody like, what the F is going on? I was a big piece. Yeah, another guy. Everybody's getting paid except for him. So that can't make him feel good, especially a young guy, a guy who was a number one pick, a guy who sacrificed a lot for a Suns team that made it to the finals. So I'm sure in his heart of hearts, he's a little peeved off, you know, and I would be too. I think a lot of people would be how that's all materialized. So just to see like, you know, is there bickering back and forth throughout the season? Does it cause chemistry issues? You know, does he get over it? Does he take his game up to another level? How does that all play itself out? Because I think that's a very interesting situation to monitor because I feel like that can go one or two ways uh, dramatically one way or the other. Really? Well, Anthony Bennett was just trash, but yeah, yes. That. Exactly. And, like, he, and DeAndre Ayton is like the third most important player to the Suns, arguably. I don't know if it's Mikel Bridges or DeAndre Ayton, but DeAndre Ayton is arguably the third most important player, and they just made the finals. He, he played amazing on Giannis. I thought he played amazing on Giannis. Do you think they'll actually get a deal done in the offseason? I think he's going to stick with the Suns. 
But I guess what happens if a team, because you know sometimes they'll do like the, those poison pill contracts. I think uh, I remember specifically. I think of the Jeremy Lin one. I think of Omar Ashik. There's been a couple times where teams will just give these, yeah, these front laid front loaded poison pill contracts. Like, and if the issue's money and you get something front loaded, uh, and the Suns obviously Robert Sarver does not want to be in the luxury tax. Like, then don't you have to make a decision there? Like. So next on the list, uh, we have uh, Utah. For me, does Utah plateau? Because, you know, their team just had the best regular season in all of basketball. Uh, Number one seed. And then they lose. And they lose in embarrassing fashion to the L.A. Clippers in a way that, you know, you could have never expected. It's like Kawhi Leonard goes down, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Hey, we got Reggie Jackson. We're hitting threes. We're spreading it out. Rudy Gobert's having to cover all over the floor. And now everybody's hating on Rudy Gobert. It's like the Utah Jazz. They just can't win. So just if they plateau, because I I feel like when there's so much uh, expectations, you do so well in the regular season, it's kind of like, where do you go from here? So I think the interesting thing with Clay is this, right? Like, it's kind of like Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant had uh, dramatic injuries. We've seen, you know, Derrick Rose has come back from dramatic injuries. I feel like it can be done because science is so much more different than let's. Derrick Rose never came back the same. That is true. But here's my point on Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is one of the most twitchiest, freakiest athletes ever. So I feel like that's a little. I mean, Clay Thompson. What made Clay Thompson special wasn't the fact that he had a first step that nobody's ever seen before, and the way he moved was just physiologically different. Like, so I mean, I I think he can shoot, right? Clay's always going to be able to shoot. I'd imagine that. I feel that's a skill that never really you know gets bad necessarily. Like I think if you Ray Allen, if you put Ray Allen in, Jim Ray Allen's always going to be able to shoot. Reggie Miller's always going to be able to shoot. He's always going to be able to shoot. I would assume he's always going to be able to run off of picks. I think the biggest issue for me is the defense. Can he still slide his feet like he used to? 
Because then if you have a defensive backcourt. Achilles heel tear and an Achilles tear. Yeah, I think that's the issue because. Yeah, because if he's not a good defender, to me that the Golden State has some issues because a a backcourt then of Steph and Clay, and Clay can't really defend. That's not very good. No, because then then you're gonna have a Utah Jazz situation where nobody can defend on the perimeter, and you have uh, like Rudy Gobert or Draymond Green in this case having to do everything. Yeah, because he's going to have to cover for everybody, which, you know. And maybe that means Wiggins is going to have to start guarding the best perimeter guy. Because that usually used to be the, the task that Clay Thompson took. But if he's not, then Wiggins would probably be that guy then, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point there. But I think also the issue, too, is now with a lot of these teams, they have multiple wings who can score. So it's not really just like, hey, if you're if you're playing, like, let's say, hypothetically, they're playing the Nets, hey, Andrew, go guard Kevin Durant. And it's like, okay, so who's still guarding James Harden? Like, how's that going to work? Still another guy who can just drop 30 at the, at the drop of a hat. So for me, for my next storyline, uh, Chris Paul... How much longer is Chris Paul going to be at this all-NBA, all-star level? Uh, top two player on a finals team. Uh, what is he now? 36, 37? I think he's as old as LeBron now, right? Has to be. He's 36. Turns 37 all the way in May. Okay, so about the same age as LeBron. How much longer can Chris keep this up? Because I think this is very interesting, and this is another thing that could change the course of the Suns. Because if Chris Paul takes a step back like many thought he would a few years ago, then obviously this Suns team, they have no shot to me. They're drawing dead to make it back to the finals. Uh, so Chris is going to have to stay the same, and I think that's going to be something very interesting to monitor. Because you would think eventually, like, I guess I guess maybe him and LeBron are just going to be good forever. But eventually you would have to think that there is going to be a drop-off. It's just a matter of when. that's very true when you talk about skill too because even to go back to something we were talking about a little bit off air right so if you pick guys like we're talking about the all 75 team if you have guys like Vince Carter guys like Tracy McGrady those were guys who were very freakish who could do very freakish things you know maybe as that deteriorated they weren't as good or maybe that thing about the concern what people have about Russell Westbrook uh right and then you go to a guy like let's say Kobe I mean yeah, no. Falling off. Correct. And then if you go to a guy like Kobe, Kobe was still a top five player in the NBA at 35 or whatever before he tore his Achilles because it's like, okay, Kobe's not winning the dunk contest anymore, but like, he's just really good at basketball. Yeah. 
Like, and that's something that, you know, those skills don't always necessarily go away. Like, the 40-inch vertical can go away. It's like Michael didn't always have that 45-inch vertical. It just, eventually, you get to the point where you're just really good at basketball. And if you're really good at basketball and you're still athletic enough to do things on the court, then you can be pretty good. Exactly. So... Oh, that's a good idea, Eli. Say that there are definitely some snubs on there, and in my opinion, Adrian Dantley is the biggest one. And Dwight Howard. So give your Adrian Dantley case. Adrian Dantley led the league in scoring uh, for two separate seasons, and he had three or four averaging 30 points a game in an era that did not feature scoring like that often. And he had other seasons where he averaged 28, 26, 29. He averaged 24.3 for his career and six rebounds a game. I just don't see how you can leave an elite scorer like that off your top 75 list. Like, they put Dave DeBusher in there. Adrian Dantley is better than Dave DeBusher, hands down. No disrespect to Dave DeBusher, but Dantley is better. Then Dwight. Dwight was the other snub. Oh, yeah. I mean, eight All-NBA, eight-time All-NBA, right? Three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Took his team to the finals as easily the best player on the team. Like, who was the next best player? Like, Jameer Nelson, right? Not even close. Yeah. Or Hidu Turkoglu, <laughs> like. Yeah, or Richard Lewis. Yeah, and about the white too. I feel like Danley. I think sometimes there's bias for guys who are older, but with Dwight, I think part of it too is, I think it's because of you know how Dwight's career, how it kind of deteriorated with him being a goofball. It's like he was a coach killer. He got stand fired. He had to find himself. Got right in L.A. And I think a lot of people used that to diminish the guy. But I think no matter what, like, there are just some things that are inarguable. Like, he's a top 10 center ever. Like, Correct. They, they, they were a lot... Uh, yeah, yeah. Extremely fun to watch. Yeah. And very good, too. I mean, one year, I think one postseason run, they beat the Celtics. I think KG was out, but they still did it. Like, yeah, KG was out. But I will say, he still went on the road as, what, a fourth, fifth-year player in the league still went on the road in TD Garden and beat the Celtics, the defending champs. Like... You, you still got to do the thing. Like, I mean, and even if you go back to his time in Houston, he was the second best player on a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, the dude for his whole career has been pretty legit. Like, Yeah, I mean, I know they didn't have, the Celtics didn't have KD, and they probably, KG, and they probably would have won if they had KG, but, I mean, getting to the final, getting to the final, 
And like I said, he was easily the best player on that team. Nobody was even close to as good as Dwight Howard on, on that team. And I don't know how he's left off. And, and when you talk about Dwight, too, which I think, like, so, like, let's compare Dwight to, like, guys like Anthony Davis, Joker, and Joel Embiid. Are we for sure their careers are going to turn out better than Dwight's that eight-year stretch was? Uh, I think Joker will because he's so skilled. And we talked, we, I mean, recurring theme on the podcast today, how skills will go a long way for having a lengthy prime but I don't know about Embiid because he keeps getting hurt no that's very that's that's very fair but here's something he has done that said that here's something that he has done that Anthony Davis Joel Embiid and Joker can't say none of them can and both of them are all three of them are extremely talented none of them can say they were the best player on the finals team No. Embiid hasn't made it. AD did make it, but LeBron was the best player on that team. You know? Also, I don't think either of those guys are ever going to win. Well, definitely not Joker. But Embiid or AD, they're not boys. Yeah, three defense player of the year is like... Just the dominance. I, I just feel like, you know, Dwight extremely... Extremely disrespectful. And then Melo gets on the list, and, and I know you don't, you know, you're not. Uh, I'm not a fan. Yeah. He's better than. The Melo, yeah, the, you know, there's the Melo thing. I don't mind it as much. I mean, a lot of people love Melo. They got, and Damian Lillard was on the list. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I feel like it's a little. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. Like, yeah. I, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had after Dave's career is over. But, like, with Melo, it's like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've come to the realization that Carmelo Anthony's going to be a Hall of Famer, but, like. Yeah. I'd put Chris Bosh over Melo. I think a, a lot of people would. Uh, I think you could argue Chris Bosh contributed to winning a lot more than Carmelo did. Uh, and Carmelo's style was, you know. Besides that one Nuggets run. Yeah. That's about the only who's never able to replicate that. So, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to continue talking about top 20 storylines. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're 
right back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Eli Weisberger with us as we're doing a 20 for 20, top 20 NBA storylines for this upcoming NBA season. So I'll start it off. So my storyline is which team makes a trade to go up another level, right? I kind of talked about the Jazz kind of plateauing. Are they going to find a way? Maybe they finally decide to get rid of Gobert, Gobert, right? Maybe they do something like that. Uh, maybe the Nuggets, right? Michael Porter Jr., they have him out there. Maybe they flip him for something that makes them really, really, really interesting. Which team that maybe is on that second tier level that we're looking at that could make a move and now they put themselves squarely in the championship mix? Which team? Because this is how it works. A team that makes a trade to go for it all means that they have a good record by the deadline and they think they have enough pieces to put themselves in that contender status. So if you're thinking about teams that are going to make a trade at the deadline, you have to assume that they will have a good record by the trade deadline as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Alright. So, my next item is get the math do the for Luca in I don't think they have the best relationship with hiring Jason Kidd was not the right Time and time again, comes from. I mean, wherever he goes, it's toxic. You know, you read in that book about him not letting players go home for Christmas uh, when he was head coach of the Bucks and stuff like that. And they didn't really do anything in the offseason to put better pieces around Luka. I don't think Christoph Porzingis is the answer. I don't think he's the answer either. Uh, but, you know, I guess here's the thing. With guys like Kristaps, it's always like he's 7'3", he can shoot, he has all these skills, right? Talk, keep talking about skills. If he ever reaches his potential, it's like, okay, he can be really damn good it's just like and i always say this right potential is just means it's just code for you haven't done anything yet right it's like you're really talented but you haven't done what we've expected you to do you don't think lucas done what they expected him to do no i'm saying chris Stamps. I mean, he was. If you saw, if you saw, I didn't catch much of the Hawks match game last night, but it looked like more of the same from Porzingis again. Yeah, it just looks like it's going to be Luca and the the Luca show. That's how they're going to roll the ball out and play that game. So next we have this for me. Uh, 
Can Trey Young be a Dark Horse MVP candidate, and are the Hawks for real? So the Hawks were one of the more shocking surprises of the NBA season last year, making it to a conference finals. I'm sure, Eli, you didn't think that would happen at the beginning of the year. Right? No. Did, did, did anybody? <laughs> I don't think. Maybe Trey Young thought that. Maybe. Not even sure if he did, but maybe. I'll, I'll, I didn't. No, that, that's very true. So I guess my, my storyline is, can Trey take that next step? Can he be a Dark Horse MVP candidate? Uh, can they carry on that momentum from last year uh, to this season? Yeah, I completely. So my next item, I have can the Bucks repeat? Pretty straightforward question. They've got the same roster, basically. They've got the tools. Can they do it again? Giannis was amazing, and he's going to continue to be amazing. But will the Nets stop them this time? Yeah, for me, yeah, I I mean, I think that their chances are pretty legit. I think the Bucks have actually, I don't know how you feel about this, they've been one of the more disrespected defending champions we've seen in a while, right? In terms of, like, if you were to ask everybody who's going to win the East, everybody always assumes Brooklyn. That is true. I, I And you're right. The Bucks. And here's the thing about Milwaukee, right? Arguably, they have the best player in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's still leaps he can take. I think part of what winning does is uh, it gives you the belief that you can do things that you never thought because you kind of see now that you can do it. I think Chris Middleton, he has more confidence. Uh, they can defend at every single position. Uh, they're tough. They're physical. I always, you know... Uh, I'm never going to feel completely comfortable with the fact that in the last five minutes of a the game, their go-to offense is Chris Middleton at the top of the key. But you know what? It worked last year. And Coach Bud, I don't know how I always feel about that. You're not the best. I don't know. It's like Coach Bud's the coach, right? Chris Mid- In the last five minutes of a game, their go-to offense is Chris Middleton. I don't know how I always feel about that. But you want to know what? God damn it. They made it work. So I'm going to give them that respect. So my turn is at number... Eight, uh, and this kind of goes with, uh, you know, some of the controversy that's been kind of percolating throughout the NBA season with Ben Simmons. How long will Ben be in Philly? Yeah, I have this on my list as well. Uh, this is one of the biggest stories. Just because the media has been covering it every day, nonstop. 
and I think a lot of Philly's success this season is riding on this situation being resolved. Is it even on the on, it, on that radio uh, show say that this could go for four years? Yeah, with this potential, I, I. How long do you think this goes? Oh man, I have no idea anymore. I feel like this. This could go a whole year. I don't think it'll go four years. Yeah, Daryl Moore. That was some BS that Daryl Moore said. There's no way he get. F- at what point though does the owner not have to come out come out and be like just trade this dude? Like you can't get into a pissing contest with your players. Like that's not. Well, I, I believe the owner has uh, Daryl Morey back here. Oh, I I mean I agree, but at one point for the Philadelphia 76ers brass, they had uh, Sam Hinkie's back. I feel like at some point though. You can say you have somebody's back after one year, then it's two years, then it's three years, then it's like four years, then it's like, what are we doing? And Joel Embiid's 30 years old. Well, I bet you Maury is... The owner's right there with Maury listening to those trade offers saying no as well. I, I think... I don't think Maury's under hot water here because I think the owner, whoever he is, I don't know, is the, their owner... Um, is right there every step of the way with Maury and Simmons in this situation. Or whatever you want to call But uh, number seven on my list is the Rookie of the Year race. No Cade's out right now with that ankle injury, but he should be back in the next couple weeks so he'll be in the conversation but you also have Jalen Green and Ivan uh, Barnes maybe some of the most surprised like Chris Bart is seven points in his first game ever now for me uh, next up for me I have an interesting one uh, the Sacramento Kings uh how does the De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell backcourt work for the Kings this year? And will there be an odd man out? So you have three pretty talented guards. Uh, I feel like eventually you're probably going to have to flip one of them. I mean, Marvin Bagley wants out, so you're probably going to need a big guy in there. Uh, or a wing, a true wing. How does that situation play itself out? Because I, I think they all like them all to varying degrees. It's just a matter of who which guys they like the most. Well, let me ask They wanted defense and in the in the draft. So they got Davion Mitchell. But Davion Mitchell's a guard and only six feet. And you already have Fox and Halliburton. How are you going to find the right minutes to bring that defense on the perimeter for Mitchell if you have Fox and Halliburton ahead of them? 
You're going to have to trade one of them. Trade one of them? I don't know. I don't think they're going to jip out. Well, then this... Just, or are they going to run three guards out there? Well, then that gets... In, I mean, I, Phoenix at one point tried to do that. They had Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas, and Goran Dragic. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, and possibly too. The Kings are just incompetent. Uh, but I personally feel like if you have all three of these guys, you're eventually going to have to pick one guy to trade. And if they just drafted Davion Mitchell, it can't be him. So that either means Halliburton or Fox is going to be out. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope they can resolve it without having to trade one. Um, next on my list are the Warriors back in contention now the role players around Steph are way better than last year you've got Bielitsa who seems like a solid player Jordan Poole looks much improved even a most improved player candidate perhaps you don't have Oubre there anymore the spacing's a lot better Clay will be coming back so this is a better Warriors team for sure but are they contenders I'm not sure Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's it's really dependent on Clay, and they could potentially be a move, a team that you know could make a move. They have Wiseman, they have Poole. Uh, I'm forgetting uh, Kaminga. Maybe they could turn that into flip that into you know something interesting as well uh, that can help them uh, be fully back in the contention. But I think the Warriors are very interesting. Where they could be a team, we look at them very differently uh, heading into May, heading into June than we do right now so for me uh zion williamson reportedly people have said he's over 300 pounds seems like he's distant from the pelicans seems like that's always has been an uneasy relationship what's gonna go on with zion this year yeah i mean that that's exa- that was next on my list the pelicans relationship with zion is it deteriorating before our very eyes so how do you think all of this ends with Zion and the Pelicans? I think the, the Pelicans are going to do all they can to try and repair the relationship with Zion because they don't want a repeat of an Anthony Davis. Yeah, they definitely don't. Or Chris Paul, too. Uh, New Orleans has not been the place known to keep stars, which is really crazy. They've had Chris Paul, Zion Williams, and Anthony Davis, and it seems like all three of them are going to want to leave. That is never a good thing. So, for me, my next storyline, this kind of coincides with Zion a little bit. 
Who's the next star to request a trade? Is it going to be Carl Anthony Towns out of Minnesota? Is it going to be Damian Lillard? Is it going to be Bradley Beal? Potentially, maybe it could be Zion, even though I think that'd be crazy this early. But which star is going to request a trade next? We just had Ben Simmons do it. Who's coming up after that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Nobody knows, but nobody knows who it's going to be. But uh, Harden and Simmons aren't going to be the last stars to request trades. We know that much. I think odds on favor for me is Carl Anthony Towns. That's fair. I could see that from Bradley. Uh, I don't know why he stays in Washington at this point, but uh, that is fair. I could definitely see Bradley Beal getting tired of what's going on there. So next up for me, too, and I'll go again, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Will he play at all this year? Mm, I have no idea. I think, if I had to guess, and this is just speculation, um, very end of the season if they're in the playoff hunt or he'll play in the playoffs if they if they make it without him see but are you going to really just reintegrate him into a playoff situation like that yeah i mean i guess he's a top five player so why not championship run is a championship run you can't just give it away any chance he just doesn't play the entire season? Who? Kawhi. Any chance Kawhi just doesn't play the entire season? Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. Yeah, that would suck. Absolutely suck for the Clippers. So what's your next storyline? That's very true, because if you look how deep they are, right? Bucks, Nets, Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Bulls. Uh, Sixers. Yeah, Sixers. I haven't even talked about the Sixers. There's a lot of teams out there out east. Like The east is no longer like the JV Conference. They definitely have some heavy hitters. Um, some of the best players in the league are from the Eastern Conference. Some of the best coaches and general managers from the league are from the Eastern Conference. So, no, the east is definitely legit for sure. So, for... For me, mine is, how does Russell Westbrook fit into the Lakers? Now, we saw this opening night. He played awful. First game, though, LeBron said it could be jitters. Hometown kid in L.A., a lot of demands. But how does the offense work? You know, I talked before, Chris Middleton's your ball handler, uh, your go-to offense the last five minutes of a game. How does this work with uh, with Russell Westbrook being on the floor? Not just the ball's not going to be his hand, in his hands, hopefully, but just being on the floor in the last five minutes of a game. Uh, I would don't want to be offensive, but I don't think anybody knows Russell Westbrook for high basketball IQ, turnovers, uh, just careless play, not good shooting. All those things don't really bold well for playing in the last five minutes of a game. Not very good on defense. So how does all that work out? Honest answer. I just don't think Russell Westbrook 
anymore, but I don't think he will hold LeBron and AD back enough for them to be out of contention. I think Le- LeBron James and Anthony Davis are a good enough duo to carry any team to championship contender status. So for my next storyline, we're up down to number three, is none other than the MVP race. You know, Giannis, I think, just by that finals run, 50 points in a closeout game, he's one of the NBA's most loved players right now. I think he's back in the MVP conversation. I don't think you really have to worry about voter routine with him just because of how well-liked he is right now. LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant, maybe Trey Young is a dark horse. I think it's a very uh, interesting MVP race. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Gun to your head, who would be your MVP right now? Your prediction. My prediction, I think, is Kevin Durant. He probably he might have gotten the MVP last year if he didn't get hurt. I mean, Kevin Durant. I mean, I would argue maybe even I might even change my prediction right now to Steph Curry. He's just that good. So for me, my next one is, and this goes back to the thing you already talked about, Clay Thompson. How does he look? coming back uh right you're talking about an acl and achilles is clay does clay come back is clay a top three player at his position top five top ten does he go from you know being one of the best both way players in the league to now he's like i don't know i'm just giving out a random name bogdanovich like what does clay become That's very true, uh, and obviously, right, what's the biggest concern, too, for the Lakers? Injuries, injuries, injuries. LeBron James has been getting hurt more and more and more as the years have gone on, particularly in his tenure at L.A. Anthony Davis, he stays hurt. We're talking about Carmelo, old, Rajon Rondo, old, Russell Westbrook, old, Dwight Howard, old, DeAndre Jordan, old, 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 Trevor Ariza, old. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys who are actually young, uh, Tucker, uh, he's young. 
But besides that, they're just old, 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 and old. So how does all... Hey, that's that's really what they are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're the... Uh, they're the they're the college team that has a bunch of seniors. They're just old, uh, a bunch of fifth year seniors. They all redshirted. <laughs> fifth year graduate. Yeah, a bunch of GAs. They got a bunch of GAs. That, that that's what they are. Super seniors. <laughs> Back in high school, I don't know if people remember super seniors. They got a bunch of super seniors walking around. They're walking around class with a beer in their hand. It's like, oh, how are you doing that? It's like, oh, I'm 21. I'm like, oh. I think they should, you know, I don't like predicting injury. I, I, I'm going to say they find a way to manage it. I mean, I think, I guess what I'm saying is I think AD and LeBron will be fine. They might have to do some tweaks with Russell, with Mello, with Dwight, with DeAndre, with, uh, you know, all those guys. Uh, Ariza when he gets back. But I think the core of LeBron and AD should be fine. But, I mean, then again, maybe you couldn't because, you know, that's also partly why they lost the Suns. Like, LeBron clearly wasn't the same in that series, and AD was hurt. AD was very hurt. But the thing here for me is the Lakers, if LeBron and AD are healthy, who's better than them in the West with Kawhi injured? I don't think there's a team better than the Lakers in the West when LeBron and AD are at their best. I mean, the Suns, maybe? Maybe. I, I guess you'd have to think, are the Suns and Nuggets how, the, I mean, if Jamal Murray comes back, Michael Porter Jr. takes a big leap. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Nuggets, could be, Nuggets could be in that tier with them. Like, I've been thinking about the Nuggets and the Suns yeah. might give them the most run for their money. I, I wouldn't even put the Jazz. Golden State. They didn't. Probably not, but maybe an outside chance. If everything yeah. breaks right, if everything breaks right. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think the Suns, I guess they have to be looking at it like, injuries or not, we beat them. They did do it. All right, what's your next story? Kyrie Irving, will he play during this season? Will he get traded? What's going to happen to Kyrie? I don't think he's going to play it all this year. I don't think he's going to get traded. He's not going to get vaccinated. I don't. I think he'll be out for the whole year. Okay, so will he play for the Nets again? I do. I think he'll play for the Nets again. As soon as that exemption vaccine mandate is lifted, he'll he'll start playing again. And it may be, even be next year that that mandate's lifted. Maybe if the vaccine mandate is still enforced next season, maybe they'll trade him. I have to imagine Sean Marks and the Nets brass are pissed at that, that that could be a scenario. Oh, yeah, of course. They're, like, fed up with, secretly fed up with Kyrie's. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. It's crazy. I mean, you know, that's a very interesting situation to monitor. I don't know. I feel like Kevin Durant and James Harden have to be sick hearing that. Like, I... It's just a disservice to your teammates, you know? I just... 
Absolutely. So my number one storyline is will LeBron reclaim the throne as the best player in the NBA? I think, personally, I don't know if you agree with this, I think LeBron's top three in the world. I think, uh, whichever way you want to put it, I think it's Kevin Durant, Giannis, LeBron. Can LeBron have another year like he did in the bubble year where he kind of reasserts himself and we're all like, yeah, LeBron's still that guy. Does LeBron have one more year left in him where he can be the best in the world? And for him to do it, He's going to have to either go through Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo to take that crown back. I have LeBron in my top four. In my top three, I have Steph, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and LeBron. Um, if he retakes the throne here in age, what, 30, what is he, 36 or 37? He's going to be 37 in December. Yeah, so he's going to be 37 in December. If he retakes the throne... At age 36, 37 season, I mean, I may have to start calling him the undisputed goat. To be honest. Yeah, I mean that's stuff that's you know unheard of. Uh, the level right. that, right? So that will definitely be interesting to keep tabs on. Eli, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. And once again, I want to thank Eli for coming on the podcast. Always appreciate it when Eli can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 348th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.